On this Sunday of Epiphany, we remember the Epiphany of the three Magi as they looked upon the Christ child, a glimpse, as it were, into the true nature of things. And this text from Isaiah foreshadows that historic meeting, speaking of visitors from afar who will bring gifts of frankincense and gold to the Messiah. On a somewhat academic note, the Gospel of Matthew draws directly from this text in its telling of the Nativity. The author of Matthew was pretty insistent on using Hebrew scriptures to tell Jesus' story. But primarily, Isaiah speaks of the coming of the Messiah as a great light, a light so radiant that it shatters the darkness of our own perspective. That's what an epiphany is, after all. And that's exactly what Jesus would come to do. He would turn conventional wisdom on its head and show us a new way of living in the world, a way that is perhaps not of the world. A reading from Isaiah. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of the dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice, because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah, and all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense, and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen. Please pray with me. Everlasting God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations upon all of our hearts serve to glorify you and offer you praise. May they be in keeping always with the teachings of our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. It's just common sense, man, the produce manager said to me, shaking his head in disbelief. Common sense, two words that I have come to dread because people often accuse me of not having any. You could see what happened when I tried to cut my hair yesterday. My wife had to fix it. This is the best she could do. Um, Common sense, something I seem to be lacking. I'll never forget the indignity that I faced that day back when I still worked at the town and country market in my hometown. The lawnmower out in back was out of gasoline, so the produce manager, Steve, sent me to the gas station to get some. Now, I was still pretty young. I didn't even have my driver's license yet, but the gas station was right down the street, so it was no trouble. Ten minutes later, I was standing at the cash register, and uh, I was asking for a gallon of gasoline. 
It was a simple transaction, but the attendant's words that day were a terrible epiphany, a realization that struck me like a bolt out of the blue. What are you going to put it in, he said. <laughs> what? I replied stupidly. The gasoline, he said. Well, what are you going to put it in? Well, I didn't even think to bring a container. <laughs> Truth be told, I have to confess that at that time, I thought they just sold gasoline in cans right off the shelf in the gas station. Now, every time I tell this story, people point out how stupid and dangerous that would be, having all that flammable accelerant, you know, stockpiled in the store. Yeah, well, how's that any different than a liquor store? I usually retort. At which point, they usually just shake their heads and walk away. Yeah, that's what I thought. In any case, I had to return to the town and country market that day empty-handed. I can still remember walking back, that 10-minute stroll become a long walk of shame. And from a ways away, I could see Steve and all of my coworkers standing in the parking lot, pointing and laughing, having a grand old time at my expense. I can't believe you didn't bring a gas can, Steve told me. It's just common sense, man. Yeah, well, maybe common sense is overrated, man. Now let it be said that I'm no great visionary. But visionaries would probably be inclined to say the same thing, that common sense is overrated. Common sense told the Wright brothers that people can't fly. Common sense told Steve Jobs that you can't fit a computer in your pocket. Common sense told Elon Musk that you can't just go and build your own spaceship or smoke marijuana during televised interviews or brazenly flout the rules of the Securities and Exchange Commission but Elon Musk did all those things anyway because he's a dreamer and because he doesn't let things like common sense or stock market regulation stand in the way of his dreams. He's a character, Elon Musk. He's a very polarizing figure, an innovator and an entrepreneur who helped to put big companies like Tesla and PayPal on the map. And he invests in radical technologies like commercial space flight and tunnels beneath Los Angeles that are supposed to uh, improve the flow of traffic. He's a smart guy, he's a, he's a visionary, but he's not an entirely reliable guy. In fact, a lot of people have said that he's a liability uh, for the companies that he runs. So you gotta take some of his more radical projects with a grain of salt, in particular one that few people know about. It's not a politically controversial project or the kind of thing that's going to get him fined by the SEC, but it's pretty out there. Uh, and it definitely flies in the face of all common sense. You see, Musk is a proponent of what some people call simulation theory. This is basically the idea that we're all living inside an elaborate computer simulation, that the basis of reality as we know it is not really real at all that we've been put here, entrapped by a higher intelligence, possibly of extraterrestrial origin. Given that we're clearly on a trajectory to have video games that are indistinguishable from reality, Musk remarked at a tech conference last year, 
it would seem to follow that the odds we are in base reality is one in billions. Now, I'm not sure that argument really holds up. Uh, And he's claiming here uh, something that challenges the most fundamental assumption of all, that what we can see and touch and taste is not really real, that none of this is real. But there's actually a significant contingent of folks in Silicon Valley, let's call it a substantial minority, who agree with him. They think he's right on the mark. And and according to an article in Forbes, Elon Musk is actually bankrolling scientists to try to find a way to break us out of the simulation. Now, maybe Elon Musk has watched The Matrix one too many times, or he's never quite shaken the more imaginative uh, musings of his boyhood, but in some sense, the idea isn't totally crazy. I mean, once you strip away all of the techie sci-fi elements, it's what the liturgical season of Epiphany is all about. The revelation of another world beyond our own. Something more real. A place where common sense, as we know it, doesn't really apply. Now, this is actually a really old idea, this notion that Reality is somehow less real or substantial than we think it is. Calling it a computer simulation is just a modern take on a very ancient belief. It was actually the Greek philosopher Plato who popularized the idea that Elon Musk is running with. And in order to clearly articulate this idea he had, Plato sets up the whole notion as an allegory. Imagine, he says, a group of people who are chained to the floor in the depths of a cave. All they can see is this blank wall in front of them. They're bound such that they can't turn their heads to look around or to look at one another. Their eyes are fixed upon this blank wall. If this sounds familiar, you might remember some of it from your freshman uh, philosophy class in college. Probably also felt like being chained up in a cave. Anyway, behind the prisoners, there's a puppet show in progress. And behind the puppets, there's a fire that casts the shadows of these puppets upon this blank wall that the prisoners are looking at. Now, that shadow play in front of them is the only thing that the prisoners can see. It is the only reality they know. It is their world entire. Now, suppose, Plato speculates, that one of those prisoners were to somehow break free. His eyes adjusting, he'd turn around, and he would see the puppets for what they are, and he would see the fire itself, a blinding light. And Plato argues that the prisoner now, his eyes aching and his mind racing, would retreat back to the wall and its shadows, to the only world he knew. Common sense would tell him to stay put. But suppose... That someone should drag him by force, Plato suggests. Up the rough ascent, the steep way up, and never stop until he could drag him out into the light of the sun. Indeed, beyond the light of the fire is the light of the sun and the world outside the cave. A world that operates on a completely different set of principles. See, for Plato, there are several layers 
of reality. There are the shadows on the wall, mere silhouettes. Then there are the puppets, themselves mere imitations of life. And finally, the world outside, larger and more beautiful than a prisoner chained to the floor his whole life could ever begin to imagine. Our entire religion, in some ways, our faith, is rooted in this belief of a world beyond the cave. And what if we are like those prisoners living in the shadows, our eyes grown accustomed to the dim glow of the fire that this world affords us? What if we, too, have to be dragged, kicking and screaming out into the sunlight? It's hard, after all, to change our perspective. When the Magi looked upon the face of the infant Jesus, I have to imagine that it was like stepping out into the daylight, if only for a brief moment. The prophet Isaiah was right on the money when he spoke about a light that shatters the darkness. The meeting between Jesus and the Magi was nothing less than a glimpse into another reality, one more real than the one we know. A strange reality where common sense tells us to give away everything we have and to love our enemies. Where common sense dictates that the meek shall inherit the earth, that the last shall be first and the first shall be last, that whoever loses their life in the name of God will find it. None of this is reasonable by ordinary standards. But it is, in a sense, radically reasonable, a kind of uncommon sense, if you will. God's ways are not our ways, and what we call wisdom or common sense is little more than our way of trying to cope with this world that we know, a society where Christ's teachings sound more like folly than wisdom. But it wasn't common sense that led those wise men on their journey chasing a mysterious star. It was a wild vision of something more that led them to the manger. Could we ever be swept up on such a journey as this? Could we ever escape the demands of going to work and cleaning the house and bringing the kids to soccer practice long enough to catch a glimpse of this other world? I think that's one reason we come to church. Because church, when we gather together here, brings us a little bit closer to God's reality. It's a way of lifting the veil, if only for a little while. I mean, what are we about here anyway? This is, this is a very countercultural thing that we do here every Sunday. If you were to try to explain it to someone, it might sound weird. You'd say, hey, I get up really early to go and sing songs that are 300 years old and listen to a guy with no common sense try to tell me how to live my life. But that's not what we're about. That's a cynical way to put it. We come here 
because we find beauty in the ancient traditions, in the liturgy, in the mystery. And maybe this guy with no common sense has his finger on something. Maybe he believes in something bigger than this world. Maybe he's not entirely crazy, even if he does sometimes talk about himself in the third person. <laughs> we come here to church because we get a glimpse of what's outside the cave. In the liturgy, the scriptures, the community, all of it converging here at this table, this nexus of reality where we know the love and wisdom of Jesus that transcends common sense and all of the perspectives that we tend to put on a pedestal or more to the point, an altar. I'm cleaning the basement today, my wife declared last Saturday morning. This was less a offhand remark than a declaration of war. You see, our finished basement was supposed to be a playroom for the kids, but it got so bad, they, they wrecked it so completely that we had to cordon it off from the rest of the house. This is enemy-occupied territory, guarded by little green army men and a cat who keeps urinating in the corner. <laughs> Cleaning the basement meant uh, going down to Ace Hardware to rent a Bissell carpet steamer. Now, you all know I don't really like hardware stores. I can't find my way around. I've never even seen a carpet steamer. I have no idea what it looks like. But you know what? Even with my lack of common sense, I figured it out. I got the steamer. I brought it home. I put it down in the basement just as my wife was finishing cleaning up uh, the toys. And she knelt down and she took a look at the, the steamer and started to prep it. She's looking over the instructions that were labeled on the side. And then she looks up at me, her words bringing on another terrible epiphany. Where's the soap, she says. The soap. No one ever said anything about any soap. No one ever said anything about any soap, I replied defensively, sounding rather foolish. Bad enough to think that sort of thing, much worse to say it out loud. And then my wife replied, her words a familiar refrain, it's just common sense. I felt like a stranger in this world, standing once again in the town and country parking lot all over again, ridiculed and ashamed. But maybe we're all strangers here. Maybe we don't really belong here, I don't know. But this is where we are. This is the only world we know. And we try to follow its rules. Life goes on with all of its mundane tasks and needs. You pay the bills. You fill up the gas tank. You clean the carpet. You make a second trip to the store to buy some Bissell carpet soap because you forgot it the first time. It's just common sense. But there is more to life more to reality than common sense. Give away your possessions. The meek shall inherit the earth. The last shall be first and the first shall be last. Love your enemies. Love everyone.
the radically reasonable, uncommon sense of Jesus Christ. Amen.